0: I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hello, everybody. Lieutenant Joe Pangaro here. So we've had some amazing changes in our country. So the last couple of episodes, My focus has been on the state of our country and where we're going and why I see it the way I do. I try to bring in some components, uh, some factors, some history, historical kind of things, as well as comparing current trends and things that are going on to try and help me make my decisions. So the big thing obviously going on is this constant, never-ending attack on former President Donald Trump. Now, you may not like Donald Trump. You may find him to be disgusting. You do not like his opinions. You don't like his thoughts. The reality is he's a former president of the United States. And what we are witnessing clearly is the use of governmental power to go after uh, an enemy of the state. This is what I say and consider to be the most, one of the most dangerous things we have in our lives right now because our government is no longer... A government of we the people, by and for the people, it is for those in political power, and they're using it. So we have a lot to cover today. So I was having this conversation with my beautiful and lovely bride of forty years, uh, Miss Kathleen, and we were talking about the differences between the world now, young people, and where the country is going and why it's going that way, and and what could lead to people doing the things that they're doing, what leads President Biden and his administration to think they can blatantly use the power of the government to go after their enemies, to go after half the country, uh, label people, you know, the MAGA extremists, and come up with all this other stuff, as opposed to being, you know, I think he was going to be the president for everyone. He was going to try and show us that he was going to lead the whole country and, and make sure everyone's concerns were were thought about and and he was going to try and be that great leader. And instead, all he's done is divide the country and use the power he has available to him to attack his enemies and attack anyone uh, who is not his supporter. So as Kathy and I were talking about this, the difference back in the day, back in the day, we had two different political parties who saw the world differently. But the reality was we were all Americans. We all held many of the same beliefs about life, family, country, our position in the world, uh, God, all these kind of things. As time has gone by, we've seen all of that disappear to the point that we now attack our country, half the country, the younger people hate the country, it's racist, it's uh, systemically racist, it's always been bad, we should change it, get rid of the Constitution. The Constitution is an attack on people. Uh, it, is a, it is a horror show and we really have to change it. And, and these kind of negative changes to our country can only be attributed to a slow drip, drip, drip of this attack on traditional America. So what is different? Well, the difference is, here's the difference. Right? Here's the difference. When we disagreed back in the day and we had arguments back in the day, we still believed in justice, We still believed in the rule of law. We still believed in honesty and integrity. Now, I know some people, they were horrible then, Lieutenant Joe. You just don't know you weren't there. No, I get that. But I'm talking bigger picture, 50,000-foot view. The country, everyone believed in justice. There was justice. This belief in justice is what led to the Civil Rights Revolution in our country because people saw that there were wrongs that had to be righted. We had to correct things. We had to change our course on certain things that had gone on for a long time. We had to see things differently, right? Because it wasn't just what was going on. So it was this this theme of justice that always guided us. And when I compare that world to the world we live in today, where we see this this blatant abuse of power this blatant connection between the department of justice the attorney general specifically and the president of the united states to attack uh, other citizens to use the power of government to go after people they disagree with uh, ideologically and not to just disagree with them and not to just make a case that their opinions are bad or that their ideas are not good but to use the power of government to crush them, remove them, imprison them, destroy their lives. This is not America. This is not what justice looks like. Justice does not look like that. So I think we could all say that if we were look at hate groups like the Ku Klux Klan, we know that they're bad. Their ideology is bad. And if they commit crimes, criminal acts against other people, they should be imprisoned for those criminal acts. They attack someone, uh, they burn a cross on somebody's lawn, they hurt someone, of course. And we know that their ideology has been uh, revealed to be that of hate, and it's not good, right? It's not good. But their speech, as ugly and disgusting as it is, is still speech. And if they were to uh, speak in a political tone, That is the most protected speech, is political speech. Now the key is that when we hear these things from these hate groups, we can argue against them. We can uh, refute their ideas. We can uh, disassociate ourselves from them. But unless they commit a crime, we don't put people in jail because they have horrible, evil, ugly thoughts. It's the acting on the thoughts ...that we have to worry about when they actually go out and do the bad things. But I think we can all agree that that's a horrible, ugly hate group. But if they wanted to go out and espouse their hatred... ...as disgusting as it is... ...they're allowed to do it. Just like we see Antifa go out there and espouse their ugly points of view... ...about the world and the way they should do it. They uh, react with violence. They attack people. They smash, destroy, burn and do other negative things, they should be prosecuted for that. But for their their speech that we don't like, that their hate speech, if they go out and they want to say that hate speech, they have every right to do it. Uh, We don't have to listen. There's no uh, uh, requirement that we listen, but they have a right to speak ugly things, even if we don't like them, even if they make us uncomfortable, because it is speech. That is the linchpin of freedom. Now, you have heard me say that many, many times. I've written many articles about that. The freedom of speech is the essence of the ability to make your case, to fight tyranny, to fight oppression. If you don't have the ability to speak, then you don't have the ability to protect yourself or anyone else. And what we're seeing now, this attack on Trump, This constantly using Trump as a punching bag uh, for half the country that they don't like, that they want to destroy because they say they you know he's evil. He's but let's let's actually we're gonna get into the charges again, the most recent charges against him today, because they point out the hypocrisy and the blatant raw use of power that is being wielded not only inappropriately but endangering the entire country by doing it and I don't care if you like Trump or not and I said this about a hundred times and I'll say it again I didn't care for Barack Obama's policies I didn't care for Bill Clinton's policies I don't care for Joe Biden's policies I think they uh, stunt our economy they stunt our rights they cause uh, division amongst our people they do not help us to be the best. Progressive opinions uh, and ideology, I don't think are good for individuals, groups, or our nation. That's just my opinion. But the reality is, if I saw the Department of Justice from say a Donald Trump or uh, a President Bush or any Republican president using that office to blatantly go after their enemies, I would disagree with it just as much as I agree with what I'm seeing happen now with the Biden Department of Justice. Now, the two different things that separate the two groups. The Republicans have no guts. They would never do that anyway. Um, They just don't have the guts to do it. Our Democratic friends, they do. They circle the wagons. They repeat the same mantra. They stick together as a group, whether somebody's right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, in their in their in their wagon, uh, they all stick together. Doesn't matter what the facts say, the evidence. They'll all lie together, uh, and now obviously they will abuse power uh, right out in the open. Right out in the open, they will ignore what they see as actual wrongdoing by Joe Biden uh, and pretend that it doesn't exist. And our our media, most of the media, does exactly the same thing. So we are in crisis here. Which brings me back to the conversation with Miss Kathy when I said, I I gave her my postulation that the America that we are all fighting for, those of us who are more conservative, more traditional Americans, the America we are fighting to get back, you know, take back our country and all that, that America is gone because half the country is gone with it. Half the country does not believe the same things. Half the country does not see justice as we have all seen justice for most of our lives. That, you know, if we're wrong, we're wrong. If we're right, we're right. And different opinions are okay. Make your case. Well, we don't do that anymore. That doesn't happen anymore. That's gone. Uh, And I I don't want to be pessimistic. And and that's what keeps coming up to my mind. I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being realistic. I'm trying to figure out how do we how do we go forward uh, as these two diametrically opposed groups. One, our tyrannical friends on the left who are slowly and surely trying to shut down our rights and redefine the relationship between government and the people. See, it was the people set up by our forefathers that were in charge of the government. The government was there to serve the people. Well, historically, governments do not serve their people, which is what made... Uh, the forefathers and the, the Constitution and the founding of America so unique, even with its blemishes, um, it was unique in the world that the people were in the forefront and the government was there to serve the people throughout the rest of history. We see the people are there to serve the king, serve the Czar, serve the tyrant, uh, not the other way around. And America was the antithesis of that America was freedom and liberty and justice. Now, when you remove justice from the picture, now we have a problem. That's what most of our conflicts have been as we have grown and evolved, hasn't it? Think about it. Hasn't there been a fight for justice for the things that were wrong in our country historically? Didn't we fight with each other to restore justice, to find things that were not good and to fix them? Hasn't there been the battle the whole time? It is. Because if you are missing justice, then there can be no freedom. There can be no life where you are in charge. And what we're seeing our friends on the left do, and this is the problem I have with them, not the individual Democrats, because I have family and friends who are Democrats. They all believe in good things. They want to do good things. They believe in people and being good to people and all of that. What they're not seeing Is the political class using those good feelings, using their own desire for goodness and fairness and justice, and twisting it to gain power, to take control? Because this is the default position of humanity to live under the tyrant. That's unfortunate, that's sad, but it is true. You know, we look back historically, uh, when you go back, it was always the, the... strongman, the leader, the ruler, the tyrant that controlled the masses and the people, and people went to war over the tyrant and their control. Uh, Our Lord Jesus Christ was so hated because he came out and he spoke against that kind of power. He spoke about freedom and love and justice and caring for one another, not the state as being the be-all and end-all. And he was attacked and murdered, right? When people stand up, Against the tyrant, against tyranny, they are attacked. We are seeing that right in front of our faces. They're not hiding it anymore. They're not doing it uh, surreptitiously. They're not doing it, it with, with sneaky intent. They're not doing it trying to get around it. They are doing it blatantly. There was a time not too long ago when um, I'm trying to th- I, I don't know if it was if it was President Trump or if it was President Bush who had said it might even been Obama, that he was, it might have been Obama, actually, when President Obama said, uh, you know, that we have left-wing courts and right-wing courts, and Supreme Court Justice um, stood up uh, and said, uh, there are no such things. Uh, John Roberts stood up and said, there are no such things as left-wing or right-wing justices. We are just justices. There are no left-wing, right-wing courts. And he was trying to be uh, above it above it all but, but the reality is that's why we have a six to three uh, court court decisions uh, and prior to the additions of the most recent uh, conservative members of the court, uh, we had five to four, five to four and at times it was the other way around the liberal side won all the cases uh, because the courts are biased based on their opinions where there's there's beliefs, in how people interpret law, what do things mean, what is justice, okay? So we, we do have biased courts and now we're seeing blatant, blatant uh, judicial activism where regardless of what justice would be or what the truth is or what should be done based on constitutionality, we see judges making new case law based on their opinion and their ideology. This is where uh, our friends on the left are, are so upset in the change in the court, uh, the, court cons- uh, the court's makeup uh, to be a more conservative court because they don't like the way the court cases are being defined, the way their rulings are coming out because the justices are more conservative and therefore they see things through that lens. And our friends on the left can't get a lot of the things they want done through the legislature like they're supposed to. So instead, they count on the courts to make new law. For the courts to look at, the courts are supposed to look, especially at the, the appellate division and the Supreme Court, they are supposed to look at a law and how it's applied and determine if the law in and of itself is meets constitutional muster. Does it fit within the framework of the Constitution to, to protect everyone's rights? Um and to restrain the government from things that they shouldn't do. Now, when you get a case that uh, a law is made that is unconstitutional, the court's supposed to look at that law and say, this is unconstitutional. What our uh, more progressive liberal courts have done over the years is they've looked at the law, and instead of saying, no, the law is unconstitutional, it's out, you have to go back and redo it, you have to change it, or not, but it's not constitutional, they said, it's not constitutional, but we're going we're gonna to fix it ourselves and make it constitutional. And this is where you get activism. You get these judges taking their judgment, taking away the legislators' uh, ability to make law, which is what they're supposed to do. And they change the law in the courtroom and say, well, here you go. This is now the law of the land. This is now just. This is now constitutional. And they really shouldn't do that. It should be an up or down. This is constitutional, and the chips fall where they may. It's not constitutional. The chips fall where they may. If it's determined to be a law is unconstitutional, then the legislature should go back, review it, listen to what the court said was unconstitutional about it, and then change it or give up on it because maybe it's an unconstitutional thing to do to the people, right? So all of these things are swirling around our heads right now. And, and I, I know he I talked recently in an episode saying that this is the most important. Well, they're all the most important election because we are in an era where we're seeing the emboldened activities of those who are more progressive, more liberal, not wanting to go through the uh, through the processes of presenting their case. They are just taking action using the power they have at their hands. You know, the, the idea of a of a uh, an executive order in, in our government we have this executive order power that the president has because there are some things for the good of the country that have to be done immediately we can't wait to get lawyers to write briefs and study and research and we trust the people supposedly the people we elect and we elect the president of the united states to be the commander and chief of our military power and our place around the world to protect us in our country to maintain our constitutional rights, to to defend and stand for the Constitution. That's part of the oath that they take. So this person that holds that office of president, in theory, is expected to always look out for the American people first and foremost to make sure their rights are protected, to make sure that their constitutional rights are the forefront of anything that happens. And there are times when the president has to take immediate action for our protection or our own good, and therefore the president can use an executive order. I say this, and it happens now. That, ex, uh, that uh, order can, of course, be challenged because if uh, there we see bad orders, right? We saw President Biden a lot of bad executive orders uh, when it came to COVID and different things he was doing that have hurt lots of people and damaged our economy. Uh, but yet he, may, he had the right to do that. And then it was challenged in court, and the courts have thrown out a lot of the uh, a lot of the things he's done. We have laws about immigration, and he is he is blatantly um, ignoring the ones he doesn't like, and through executive order, he's changing the law. And see, see I'm putting this all together now. And then what happens is uh, somebody will will say, "No, that's not right. The executive order is not right," and the president is is charged with enforcing the laws, chief law enforcement officer of the country, right? and he's not doing it, and they go to a court for a court to say, hey, uh, executive branch, you have to stop and follow the law. So where do they go? They go to a court that is sympathetic to what the president wants to do. So they go for a liberal court. They find a liberal court, and that's where they run their case, and they get a liberal court to come up with a, uh, a, a decision that maintains their power. All of this is not working the way it was intended to work. Now, it worked for the most part for the majority of our, of our lives. The last 25, 30 years, we have seen this skewing of justice, this renunciation of justice. We have seen this attack by our more progressive friends using the, the feelings and the emotions of do the right thing, help people, uh, and th- they are playing these good and decent people, who are progressive, who are liberal. And this is my this is what I see in my life. I- I've seen this. These are good and decent people, and they're being played. Their emotions are being played. Um, just like it can happen the other way too, right? Uh, the the I know I'm bouncing around a lot, but there's a lot of historical things you got to understand to see the big picture. Uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident. There was a a political uh ideology that said we had to stop the 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 growth of communism in the world and we saw in Vietnam the growth of communism and we had to find a way to get in there and do something about it we couldn't just declare war for no reason nothing to do with us across across the world so the Gulf of Tonkin incident oh the the ship was attacked um and next thing you know we're at war because the ship was attacked Uh, whether it was a real attack or not um See, and as I'm sitting here to spin, I'm saying, the Gulf of Tonkin, was that Korea or was that Vietnam? And I apologize. I'm, I'm having a, a mind cramp at the moment. But you get the idea of what I'm trying to say here, right? Um, there's been times... There's talk that, you know, in World War II, that the president and the government knew that the Japanese fleet was going to be sailing on Pearl Harbor and they kind of waited to let it happen so that they had an excuse to do ideologically what they felt they needed to do, what they thought was right, was to, of course, get involved in World War II and beat back the Nazis and Imperial Japan. So these things are not unheard of in the the daily lives of countries and people, uh, Americans, uh, and how things are done. But the country was set up for we the people to be in charge. And when we start to see this centralized government. We hear that word all the time, right? Centralized government, centralized government. Well, that is at the heart of a communist, tyrannical, socialist government. Everything is centralized. The power, the decision-making is centralized with one particular group, party, or individual, as it is in China and in many other places. The power is centralized. Uh, It's no longer we the people. And when we see the the blatant breakdown of justice, the justice system, the, uh, the, the improper use of the FBI, the Department of Justice, the laws of our nation, when we see them applied unfairly, when we see a media taking sides, all of this contributes to this underlining feeling that is revealed in polls that America says 60% of us say The country is not going in the right direction, 60%. That's a majority, 60%. It's not going in the right direction. Um, Unfortunately, that doesn't play out in the elections, does it? Because we are manipulated. We are pushed and pulled. And it leads me to think that um, maybe we're not a majority conservative country anymore. Maybe we are, maybe we are progressive. And maybe this is the future of America, whether I like it or not, whether I think it's good for me, my family, my grandchildren, or any other American's family, uh, at the, for that point. But that doesn't seem to matter. The country's going to do what it's going to do. People are, have the right to vote, and uh, I, I've said this many times. You know, the the Constitution, while it wasn't designed to be a suicide pact, certainly has built into it that we can vote our rights away. We can vote uh, our freedoms away. And we are doing that slow and steady in the last bunch of elections as we elect more and more people who want to usurp your rights, restrict your rights, change your rights. And freedom of speech is the most powerful of our rights. Because, again, if you cannot speak, if you do not have a chance to speak up, to point things out to make your case then you have no power whatsoever so we're about to take our our first break here for today let me let me throw this at you let me ask you this do you think you can stand up today in public and say how you really feel about just about anything and not have dire consequences Now, there was a time when you could stand up and say how you felt about anything, and the consequences you would suffer would be uh, maybe people would not talk to you anymore. Maybe they would look down on you. Maybe they would uh, not be your friend anymore. Maybe they would not like you around. That's, you know, you take your stand, and that's how it goes. But if you do that today, you can be arrested, you can be prosecuted. You can be charged for your beliefs, for your thoughts, for your speech, right? Is that just? doesn't matter what you say. And I know the people that say, oh, you can't say anything. It's not absolute. When people start telling you that you got it wrong, your rights are not absolute, you better watch yourself because they're going to change the paradigm of what not absolute means. We'll be back in a minute with more. Jason Justice. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being on Above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with Povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Well, the Out Loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. All right, everybody, we're back. Okay, so I think I, I think I um, made my point uh, about the free speech situation. It is, it is so important that we maintain our, our free speech or, or the rest of our rights are going to go. So here's an example. Um, if you have free speech rights, you can stand up for your Second Amendment right, the right to keep and bear arms. And it's not just for hunting, right? That, 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 that was not created so that you could go hunt deer or hunt squirrels or whatever. The right to keep and bear arms was so that you could protect yourself and you could fight off a tyrannical government. Now, I know President Biden makes it very clear to everyone. Well, if you think that's what you're going to do nowadays, you better have F 16s because the government will crush you. Now, first of all, the President of the United States is supposed to be the number one advocate for the people of America, not the number one threatener. That if, well, if you think that's what your rights are for, there's no way you could, maybe you could have done it back in the day, but not today. If I decided to take you over, you better have F-16s to fight back against the government. That is not the intent of the United States. And I find that an appalling thing for a president to say. Now, it's one thing to, to understand we should have safety uh, and safe gun laws. Do I absolutely agree with that. We can't have felons having guns. We shouldn't have children running around with guns. If someone commits a crime with a gun... They should be uh, penalized to the the highest level we can do it. If you use a gun as a weapon against, of course, you have to do that. But the reality doesn't change your fundamental right. So, if I control your speech and there is an attack against the First Amendment and you decide you're going to go, I'm sorry, against the Second Amendment, and you're going to go out and you want to speak about your Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms, but I have curtailed your free speech... and and the things that you say are dangerous, I have now deemed them as the head of government, that speaking up against our belief that guns are dangerous and should be done away with, especially assault weapons, if you speak against that, that's hate speech. And you might get indicted for that, for hate speech, against the public safety. You might be going against a governmental decision that this, this is unsafe, and therefore you're unsafe, and you're a radical, and we'll lock you up so you can't talk about it no more. Now, think about any other rights that you have that you can no longer speak about when, when your free speech is taken away. you kind of get it? you get the combination I'm trying to put here? So let's look at all that in context of this most recent indictment of former President Donald J. Trump. He's been indicted now over um, basically January 6th. Now, he was not indicted for insurrection. Matter of fact, no one that day has been charged with insurrection. They have been charged with damage, burglary, assault, all appropriate. You should not have, they should not have gone into the Capitol building. Absolutely not. They broke the law that had been established and therefore anyone who went in there broke windows, attacked law enforcement officers, did whatever they did should be charged with those particular crimes. But we're told this is an insurrection. That as though the horned man uh, with the cape was going to go in and take over the United States and therefore the president would have to surrender the, uh, the uh, nuclear football to him because he's now con- taking control of the country is absolutely absurd. They were not there to take over the country. They were people who were um, upset and angry at what they saw going on by government, and they overdid what they what they went to do. They went there to protest, and it got out of hand, no doubt about it. It crossed the line, and it was inappropriate, and there was some criminal behavior there, and those people who did that, who went in, broke windows, hurt people, of arrested officers, I mean, injured officers, they should be held to account for their actions. But they were not taking over the government. They were a mob. And they basically had a riot, and they broke into a building. Now, that building happens to be the United States Capitol, and that is our Capitol. And those representatives in there are represent us, and it was dangerous, and therefore, it shouldn't have happened. But it was not an insurrection. No one has been charged with insurrection. And Donald Trump, though, now has been indicted for trying to, for basically... Lying. They didn't like that he lied because he lost the election and he wouldn't admit it and therefore he lied and we're going to indict him for lying. Now, to lie, uh, if, if Donald Trump actually believed that he, uh, there's a couple of things. We've got to break it down. Number one, if he actually believed that the election was stolen from him, then he wasn't lying. When he said, the election was stolen from me, and I want recounts. I want this. I want that. I want us to use everything in our legal power to make sure that this election is not stolen. Because it's not stolen from Donald Trump, though he's the head of the, of, the, of the party. It was stolen for the seventy-eight from the 78 million people who voted for him, if it was stolen. So all you in your basement, your underwear, I'm not saying it was stolen. I'm saying if it was, if this was the premise that he was under... And he believed, and there was lots of things for it to lead to that conclusion, that there were some things that were inappropriate that could have led to fraud, right? Um, If he believed that, he has every right to say it, to scream it from the rooftops. The fact that people are saying, well, he was told he lost, so therefore he knew he lost, and he lied then, and he continued to lie, and that lie led people to do whatever, Um, that is the chilling, that's the most chilling attack on free speech there can be, even if he was lying. Even if he was lying, just like ugly, horrible speech. He had a right to say it. The fact that um, other people have done the same thing. I think Hillary Clinton said that the election was stolen from her, didn't she, when Trump won? Uh, didn't she have a fit and couldn't even come out in in the middle of the night because apparently she had been drinking, that's what we were told, and she was upset, she was throwing things, smashing things, and she would not admit that Trump won the election. Was she indicted? Because she kept saying she won, that it was stolen, and that was a lie. She was told she lost, and she didn't believe it. How about um, the, the, uh, the woman who ran for governor of Georgia? Stacey Abrams, she still has not, admit, well, she, she has come out now and say, I lost, but I lost because of nonsense reasons. But for years, she would not admit it. She kept saying that election was stolen. She was lying to the people of Georgia, and she knew that she lost. Was she indicted? No. So all of the things that Trump has been indicted on, indicted on when you combine it with the other indictments and the ones that are still yet to come, because they're not going to stop, because they have control of the power and they're abusing it. See, this is the problem. They're they're blatantly just abusing their power now. Trump has every right to believe that that election was stolen from him, even if it wasn't. Even if everybody around him told him it was stolen, Mr. President. Oh, it was not stolen, Mr. President. You lost, fair and square. Uh, He still had a right to believe. Well, you might believe that, but I don't. I believe that there was this fraud and I believe that this happened and therefore I have a right to say it, right? He wasn't indicted for anything that happened on January 6th. What he's saying is that his lie that he knew was a lie and he continued to say it was a lie is what caused the mob to attack the Capitol. He's not charged with inciting them to attack the Capitol. What he's charged with is lying about it, which led other people to be angry enough to go do that, this is basically saying, you better watch what you say, not just Mr. Trump, but anybody out there in MagA World, anybody out there that disagrees with the government's uh, decision on how things are, right? Anybody that disagrees with that, you are now subject to indictment and punishment in prison, taking your freedom away. Do you see? the slippery slope of these things. And that's why I always make the analogy of frogs in a, in, a, in a pot of water. Well the water's nice and they turn up the heat and they don't feel it. It's oh it's nice and until it gets too hot and they can't get out and then it's too late. Well that's what happens on the slippery slope when you start to do things like this. You don't like Trump's speech. You don't believe him. Uh, he riled people up. Um, what I heard him saying was that he thought there was fraud. And he thought it was taken from him. And I saw lots and lots of different evidentiary things that appeared to say, well, maybe there was some fraud here. Maybe we should look at it. Well, the courts all turned him down, said he was wrong. That's not what happened. When he brought cases, uh, the courts turned down the, the to look at it. They didn't investigate it. Nobody went and investigated these things. They simply said, no, you lost. That's it. We're not doing it. And the court said, we're not going to look at it. Now you can now look at those courts and say who made up those courts well maybe there were some conservative people or were they mostly progressive judges who just said nope that's it you're done right so let's look back i think there was the 2020 riots when uh there were huge numbers of riots where people actually were murdered where billions of dollars of property damage took place where places were looted and burned uh and officers were injured and killed Uh, This actually happened in our country. And in the middle of all of it, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, was asked a question about should they stop? And she says, no, they won't stop. And they shouldn't. Now, that is a tacit approval of what they're doing. And a go ahead from the the vice president of the United States of America. And people actually burned, looted, and killed other people. How come Kamala Harris is not under indictment? For that for those words that she said right so let's break this down a little bit more let's look at trump let's let's say he he knew that it wasn't true but he wanted to say it anyway um, free speech says he has a right to say that just like he has a right to say ugly things or hateful things just like any one of us do we can say good things bad things we have free speech Um, it's up to the rest of us to discern what's being said and then make a decision whether we listen, go along, reject, uh, or whatever we do. But each of us has the right to free speech. We have laws in all 50 states, okay? So this is going to reflect specifically on when people say, well, your right is not absolute. You can't yell fire in a movie theater because it's not true and people could get hurt. Well, first of all, that's a dangerous act. Right, yelling fire in a movie theater uh, with the purpose being obviously what to scare people so they get up and run and yes the result can be people can get trampled and can get injured because of what was said so we have all have laws on the books for inciting a riot right so while we have looked at individual things that can be said right uh, political speech is protected now I'm trying to, I'm trying to weave this together so it all it all makes sense for us here. The idea of inciting a riot. So say Trump was up on that podium on January 6th. And he said, you know what? I believe they stole the election from me. And I believe they stole the election from you. And I think the people in that Capitol up there are the ones who did it. They did it knowingly because they want to take away your rights. They want to attack you. I want you to go up there and I want you to go into that building and take over that building and let them know, hold them physically accountable for what they did to us. That is inciting a riot. That is a criminal culpability. If he had said that, not only would he have been morally wrong, he'd have been criminally wrong and he would be right to be indicted and arrested for inciting a riot. Instead, what did he say? This wasn't right what happened here i don't believe it was on the up and up and i know some of you are going to go up there and i want you to go there and peacefully protest and let your voices be heard that is not inciting a riot that is pushing people to express themselves to use their first amendment rights to redress their government for things they don't think are correct it is a completely different thing and conflating the two is what has happened in this indictment, right? If Trump said to go and attack that building because they stole that election from us, that would be inciting and a riot, and he should be locked up and indicted for that. He did not say that. What he said on and on and on again is, I don't believe this was a fair election. I don't think it was done properly. Now, whether it was or not doesn't matter to our constitutional rights. He has a right to say it. The fact that they indicted him and only him for saying things like that, for saying a lie that he knew was a lie. How about Adam Schiff? Adam Schiff, uh, the head of the Intelligence Committee for the Congress. He's a congressman of the United States, a very powerful position. He came out and told all of us, you and me and everybody else in this country, he had absolutely, absolute smoking gun proof That Donald Trump engaged in collusion with the Russians to steal the election. That's what he told us, didn't he? Over and over and over. Well, multiple investigations have proved he did not have that smoking gun evidence. He didn't have anything. He was lying to the American people. He lied, which put people in fear, which made people upset, which made people um, maybe go out into the street Did he incite a riot by lying, or was he just being a lying, sniveling politician who lied? Again, he didn't call for people to go out and burn and loot. What he said was he told a lie, and he knew it was a lie because he didn't have any evidence. There was no evidence to have, so therefore, he had to know it was a lie. Has he been indicted for what he said and did? He has not because he had a right to free speech. He had a right to lie. It's up to the people to discern his words. And the thing would have been to say, okay, let's see the evidence that you have, the smoking gun evidence. Let's see it. Produce it. And if he can't, then we discern that he's not telling the truth and we move on. Right? But he didn't didn't incite a riot. Neither did Trump. Trump was expressing his point of view and his belief with the First Amendment to back him up. This indictment is to shut you up. Do you understand that? This indictment is to give government more power to determine what is true and what is false, what you can think and what you can't think. Because at the bottom of that slippery slope of stopping your free speech, at the bottom of that, when you hit the bottom and your butt hits the bottom and you bounce across the ground, at the bottom is now your thoughts are wrong and your thoughts will be prosecuted. Your feelings will be prosecuted. Do you get it? Do you see it? This is how these things happen. Every great society... Every great society has gone through a growth stage, um, a rising time, a, a golden age, and then it, it declines. And it declines for lots of reasons. Well, what we're seeing are the symptoms of the decline the the the, the congress has nobody has any um, belief that congress is doing the right thing we don't believe the fbi is being honest the department of justice is um is corrupt we believe all these agencies of government are corrupt we see a president using the powers of government to go after citizens that they don't agree with or that are running against them they're political Uh, competitors, using that power to go after them. All of these things are symptoms of a decline. They're not the symptoms of a rising nation where justice is at the center of everything. If you bring up your ideas, here's what I think we should do. And people say, no, we don't like those ideas. You say, well, let me rethink my ideas or let me make a better case. You don't say, lock that person up for disagreeing with me because I have the power to do it. You understand? This indictment of Trump, this drumbeat of indictments of a former president are not about enforcing laws and equal protection under the law. It's about shutting up Donald Trump, removing him from the stage, which means removing you from the stage your ability to elect someone you think speaks for you it is about increasing government power and that is why it is so dangerous to all of us so how do we turn that around how do we turn that around this is what lead me leads me to the the inevitable conclusion that we are in decline and uh, finding ways to stop the decline is going to be difficult because we are not all going the same way. We do not all see um, a rising nation as the same nation, right? To go back to uh, an America where we all believed uh, in just justice and, and rule of law, you know, what we, we get thrown at us all the time now is what? Nobody's above the law. No one, no matter how powerful they are, is above the law. Donald Trump. Former president is not above the law. But what about President Biden? Is he above the law? How about his son Hunter? Is Hunter above the law? You know, another one of the, the clear signs and symptoms of the corruption of our age is the deal recently that Hunter almost had when he went to court. And I got to say, I said on the show, I was skeptical uh, that the judge in that case was going to do the right thing, even though it was, he's a Trump judge. Uh, I was skeptical that she was going to do the right thing and look at the rule of law, what is just, and do the right thing. I thought she would buckle uh, to political pressures. You know, why would she want any part of that? Then The news coming after her, she can't go to cocktail parties, Uh, she would be an outcast, she'd be a Trumper. Um, So I, I would think that she would just, you know, let's just accept the deal and move on. But she did not. She showed real courage. She showed what a judge is supposed to do she looked at the deal and the deal if anybody doesn't know by now uh, Hunter possessed a handgun uh, filled out a a purchase permit uh, knowing he was a, a drug addict and right in there it tells you don't you know you can't do that or that's a violation of the law and people that have done that people that this particular judge has sentenced to prison for doing that Uh, He lied on the application. He purchased a gun, possessed a gun when he was uh, involved with drugs. Uh, And then he had uh, unfiled, undeclared income in in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, He didn't file taxes when he should have filed taxes. All of those kind of things um, that are against our laws and that if you violate them knowingly, uh, you can be held accountable you can be you can be charged criminally if you criminally did something not if you made a mistake everybody files their taxes every year people make mistakes you go by an accountant, and tells you you know you can write this off you can write that off they'll reach out to you and they'll tell you listen we don't believe in these uh this uh this deduction you have here either you prove it or you don't if you don't you pay the money but if you purposely didn't report income if you purposely hid income or did something like that uh didn't file when you should have those are criminal acts. So Hunter did that. You know, a lot of this money that nobody knows where it's coming from was coming into the shell company. You see you see the, the, the buildup of this? There's no evidence. There's absolutely no evidence, these people say. There is more reasonable reasonable um, suspicion evidence than you can shake a stick at. What's required then follow up is an investigation. But anyway, Hunter goes to court, and he's being charged with uh, some tax evasion uh things that people normally go to prison for he's being charged with possessing a gun while being a drug addict which people almost always go to prison for and a special deal was made uh the gun charge basically he would get probation where it would be thrown out uh and the uh the tax charges there would be no prison time and the judge looked at that and said this 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 doesn't seem right to me and asked um the prosecutor, are there any future charges that he may have to face? And reluctantly, uh, the prosecutor said, well, there might be. There's a thing called FARA, that's acting in the interest of a foreign nation while doing business in our country. Uh, and people have gone to prison for not registering to let everybody know, hey, I'm doing I'm doing the bidding of China right now, I'm working for them in their interest. Uh, if you don't do that, you can go to prison Uh, And some Republicans have gone to prison for that. Democrats have gone to prison for that. But this prosecutor had to admit that, well, you know, there are potentially charges out there. What they didn't notice that the judge did, and this is where you give kudos to the judge for being brilliant and looking through the whole thing, is that built into that plea deal where there'd be no jail time uh, was uh, immunity from any future prosecutions. Right? So basically, he was pleading to the tax thing, not going to jail. The gun thing was going to give him probation, maybe, uh, no jail. But any future crimes that come up after that, he had a built-in immunity, which is basically a get-out-of-jail-free card. And the judge had to ask a very, very simple and powerful question to the prosecutor who agreed to this deal, who made this deal with the defense. Is there precedent for this kind of a deal? Has the government ever made this kind of a deal before? And the prosecutor had to admit, no, your honor, there is no precedent for this. This has never been done before. And the judge then looked at that and said, that stinks, that smells of corruption, that smells of injustice. And the judge would not accept the plea. Now, that's what a judge is supposed to do, Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, is to look at the law to see if it's applied fairly to everyone. And the fact that it wasn't, the judge made a good judicial decision, right? Right, wrong, or indifferent should have nothing to do with your political beliefs or who you're related to or your socioeconomic status or your race. Or your religion or anything else should come down to the law that's what it means to live by the rule of the law that's what it means that no one is above the law right so this prosecution of trump this drumbeat of constant attacks by liberal left-wing prosecutors across the country state and federal is a clear example of the gloves are off they're going to use the power of the state to destroy their enemy and to take away uh, the potential that this man could go back to the, to the Oval Office and be the president that you and I may want. You and I might want him to be our president, and if a majority want him, he should be. And I don't mean majority. I mean, you know, how would they legally, uh, you know, the Electoral College, you win that, right? And then you get in there. So when we look at all of this, we look at all of this, it tells us clearly that there is two-tier justice system So we have a two-tier justice system, unprecedented favoritism in a court, abuse of power by the Department of Justice, the White House, the governmental functions, the law enforcement agencies run by the president and his people. We see this attack on our free speech rights. We see this attack on our Second Amendment rights. We see this attack on many, many rights. We see our open borders. We see laws not being enforced. We see the danger that this has brought to all of us, the crime that's out of control. We see the, the horror of child sex trafficking. We see the abuse of these people who were trying to get to this country for a better life, all because of policy to destroy, destroy the country, bring it down so that it can be remade in an image of something different than America. All of that points out The reason people are so angry and afraid and uncomfortable today. So my friends, um, I'm glad we had this time together today. There's a lot to think about. I have a lot more I want to cover here. So until we meet again, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.